All right, welcome everybody to a new episode of Moscow Mules and Knob Slides. We've been out for a while, a little summer vacation, I guess we can call it, uh, but we're back as we lead into the fall. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle. I'm the other host, David, and I am refreshed as crap. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Our special guest of the week is Rose. Rose, how you doing? Good. How about you guys? Doing pretty well. Delightful. I'm just going to move your window. I feel like we haven't done this. In you, so long that I forgot you're, all the things. Like this is your profession, and you me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Well, if you're joining us for the first time or the, I think the 39th time, um, we are a podcast where we talk to cybersecurity professionals over some drinks. Those drinks could be whatever anybody chooses to drink um, that day. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Rose, as we always do, the guest of the week. Anything you're sipping on or enjoy, or uh, we know we're talking pre-podcast about a gallon of water a day. Yeah, for sure. Gallon water day. So this is my glass here. It's finishing off my gallon. Um, and then I also have a little bit of wine, but I don't know if I'm going to drink any of it. It's white wine and it's peachy. Peachy <laughs> white wine. Is it chilled? It is chilled. Um, and in fact, I have this mix to turn it into a slushy. You get it from um, Giant Eagle. I'm all about wine slushies. So you get this mix and you just kind of throw it in the freezer and it turns it into a slushy for you. Time so up. not knowing much about you, I heard the words Giant Eagle. So I'm assuming you're from the area that I also live in. <laughs> well, I live out in Hookstown and Beaver, pretty much like in West Virginia. Oh man, you're way out there. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I'm not originally from this area. I grew up in Mississippi and then lived in Hawaii and then San Diego. So, and then came to Pittsburgh. I, you, you said some like three great areas and then you ended up with Pittsburgh. <laughs> Your faces too each time were just like eyes bigger and bigger and bigger every <laughs> state. <laughs> they, I bet they don't have wine slushy mixes from Giant Eagle in Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> no, they have Mai Tais and uh, Sunset Cruises where they take you out and they have like this cooler full of drinks and they take you out in the water and you sit in this boat and you just, you know, drink all till you're smashed with these and then, Mai Tais. And then they, dra they drive you back then too, right? Oh. Yeah. Well, they no. drive you back to shore and then you fumble your way through downtown Honolulu. Interesting. How long were you in, in Honolulu or like Hawaii, I guess? I lived there for four years. Oh, wow. I was in the Navy. Okay. That was my next yeah. guess. The areas you picked, I was like, ah, uh, military, I was guessing. Mm -hmm. Yep. I was in the Navy. Um, yeah. Navy what, eight years. So what, what, what is Navy in Mississippi? What are y'all doing down there? <laughs> well, that's just where I grew up, but. Oh, have, um... okay. I was not worried. <laughs> but, <you> know. <laughs> they have the CBs in the Air Force in Mississippi where I grew up. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think one of my grandparents was a CB. I don't know much about it, but my dad was a CB. Hmm. Nice. Well, I think I'll, I mean, that'll be one of my first questions is how you uh, ended up in Pittsburgh later on. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> so a gallon of water a day. Uh, do you start like a, like right crack of dawn? Like soon as you get up, that's when it starts. The clock starts. Uh, so I get up at six. I work out and watch CISSP, and then at seven, I start drinking all of the water and try to make it through the day. 
I'm still sleeping. <laughs> How far are you by 10 o'clock? Because that's about wake up time for me. What do you? I think I'm like halfway through. <laughs> do you have one of the jugs that has like the, uh, the markings on it? Like keep going like with like the motivation. No. You don't got one of those? No, but I have a ginormous bottle. It is half a gallon and everybody always gets the biggest like laugh anytime I bring it anywhere because it's bigger than my head. So I have to like hold it like this and drink it with both hands, like tilt it up yeah, to the sky. Aren't those it, the things that you put in like the water coolers at like work or like an office? Like, is it the same thing? <laughs> you just like turn it upside down and you know, it's flip like the half lever. that size, but it's very funny. Cause we actually do have that in our house. And my husband fusses all the time because I drink all the water and he's constantly having to replace the <laughs> water. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a good problem to have. Can you tell I me noticed, more about that? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, you go, you go. Ahead. No, I'll, no, I just, we were so professional talking over each other. Just, know. you know, let's just keep it up. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I mean, I think like I noticed effects, like when I, I, I try to drink probably close to a gallon a day. I'm not, I don't have a half gallon thing, but I have one of these like, what is this? 32 ounces. But I can tell when I like, I don't drink enough water. You can just tell if, if you're mm -hmm. like consistently doing it, you can just like, especially when you go to work out, you're like dripping sweat more. I don't know. It's definitely uh one thing I definitely pay more attention to. Yeah. You, you, what do you do for workout in the morning that you have to wake up at six or like your body tells you it's like six o'clock is go time. What are you, what are you doing? So I get up at six. I spend like 30 minutes waking up because I just need like to actually wake up. And then, um, it's a variation lifting weights hit, or, um, most recently I've just been walking on the treadmill because I can't Apparently I can't run and watch CIS's pity videos and actually concentrate on the content and run at the same time. So I have to walk. I learned that about myself recently. I was kind of disappointed about that. <laughs> it's not working like it used to. Matt, I mean, David has trouble chewing gum and walking. So, I mean, <laughs> I would still be sleeping. I think is really where it's at right now. I think uh... you live a tough life, man. It is hard. You know, my, my five-year-old told me tonight was, you know, speaking of water, he had the water on in the bathroom while he's brushing his teeth. It's just running. And we don't, you know, uh, I'm very, you know, energy conscious conservative around here. If someone leaves the room, I'm coming in and turn the lights off. The faucet's running. We shut it off. Like it, we, you know, shut the door. Don't, don't air condition the outside. Like it's, it's, it's full on like dad mode uh, with the bills here and the water's running and I walk into the bathroom while he's brushing his teeth. And I shut it off and he looks at me and he goes, uh, he goes, Hey, we wasting water. I said, yeah, but you can't, you can't just leave the water like that. He goes, I'm not really wasting it, dad. He's like, it's going to go into the drain and then it's going to evaporate and turn right back into rain. I was like, you little shit. It's like, you, it's telling me you can't waste water. I mean, what? he kind of has some facts there. I mean, it's actually come back around full circle. That young right? kid Hulk smash is just, he's, he's wise beyond his years. I can't, I can't stop that kid. Well, uh, more importantly, did you let him keep running the water because his logic? Oh, no, well, no, no, no. It's still got <laughs> shut off. He, and then he turned it on and filled his cup up, his water cup up, because that's what he was intending to do the entire time. He just hadn't gotten around to it. Typical. He's a busy kid. I mean, like, five, lots to do in the bathroom. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> you, you ought to see the stuff they do in the bathroom. <laughs> I'd rather not. But over no, to you. no. Over my to kids you. are 11 and nine. So Ooh. I stay out of that bathroom. You remember that, like that, you know, younger kid age where they're just, you know, just goofing. They, all they want to do is just like goof in the bathroom, like 
two of them have toothbrushes in their mouth and they're having like belly smacking contests. It's the most ridiculous stuff I've seen, but I, I don't remember my brother and I doing it. We're two years apart. I don't remember that happening. It could have, it was probably something along those lines, but like, I just, I, I just shake my head. I don't, I don't, you can't stop these kids. Anyway. Life. Hey, you know what I learned? More, more water talk. Jeez. I mean, I got, I got all these awesome things. Kyle, I haven't seen you in so long. It's just, know. you know, I'm very excited. I, I figured out today how to drink my shower beer. I, I figured out how to make like a makeshift shelf for my shower beer while I was in the oh. shower oh. without having it like in the shower. So you know how like the picture, the one picture someone shamed me on Twitter, it was like my, my uh, natty light or my natter day in the corner, you know, how you can like, yeah. and I just put it like right on the corner today. I put my phone over the corner oh. to make a little shelf and then I put my beer on the corner. I was, <laughs> I was so happy with myself. I wanted to take a picture of it, but I don't have any other camera. You couldn't, you're using your phone. You were stuck. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to drink a beer now. What are you drinking on? Uh, this is something I've had in my fridge for a long time. Uh, again, we haven't talked in a while. It's called The Gadget. It was recommended to me by, at a uh, local beer store. Gadget. From Urban a place Artifact. called Urban Artifact. Yeah, where are we at? Where's this coming from? Uh, brewed by Urban Artifact Brewing in Cincinnati, Ohio. Shout out to Ohio. Dirty Natty. The bird, the, the be- uh, bad bird. Better part. Oh, man. It's supposed to be a, what did I say? Blackberry and sour tart ale, raspberry and blackberry. Okay. All right. So we'll see. I have three here. We'll see how many we get through. Okay. Usually we have like the 16 ounce. This is a little can. So I, I brought like the whole three pack that I had remaining. So fair, fair enough. Yeah. More importantly, what's the glass? Glass is the uh, permanent hang. Where is it? Permanent oh. hangover. Come on. Come on. Come on. Got the uh, uh, Oscar uh, the Grouch. Oscar the Grouch. Oh, come on. I got to blur my background. There it there is. is. Oh, <laughs> kind of, maybe. It's a, oh, rats there. Uh, uh, kind of there it is it says we all feel like trash sometimes it's fair that was the uh, only permanent hangover glass i've gotten from that you get that one that's the only other one i've gotten i think the only I, one I could get like are they, like are they post 12 o'clock i got this right before class started i'm sorry just you know rose is probably wondering what the hell is going on i'm just watching you lick the drippings off of well you can't can, waste it and it's and gonna, it's gonna <laughs> It could have just ruined any one of my priceless artifacts up here in the uh, oh, bathroom office. That's right. So, anyway, so that's what I'm going to drink. It's uh, hopefully pretty good. I think I had it one time when I was pretty banged up. So this will be my first. Uh, good, good taste. Good. Yeah, we'll say good. So over, over to you, Kyle. So I, I'm, I've been, I had these sitting in the fridge too for a little bit. Save a couple. This is from Evergreen over uh, Cap Hill, PA near Harrisburg. But this is a uh, Yin's Beto, a uh, play on their Sorbetos, which is basically a sour ale. This one's with passion fruit, mango, dragon fruit, and banana. And I think, you know, this glass kind of, it's not, he's not wearing the 45 in it, but this is a uh, former legends glass, you know, since we're back. This is a uh, Michael Jordan hop Jordan glass, you know. Oh yeah, we're back like Jordan, not in the four or five, but man, we're back. It's been a oh, while. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, there we go. So as I pour my beer, Rose, how did you end up in Pittsburgh? And if it gets personal, you can be like, you don't need to know that. You can just dive in. <laughs> it's not personal. Um, we were living in San Diego, and uh, I got out of the military. My husband was a sheriff's deputy over there, and. 
we reached the point where we were like, you know what? Why are we staying in San Diego? We have no family. His family lives in uh, Pennsylvania, close uh, out in Cook Forest. So we're like, where can I get a job where it makes sense? And we just landed in Pittsburgh. So now we're about two hours from family instead of across all the way the coast. But did you just wait, get a job where it makes sense somewhere? Yeah. Well, the choices no, were- Nowhere makes sense. <laughs> it had Pittsburgh. to be Pittsburgh. Okay. I'm going to say this. Pittsburgh has been by far my favorite place to live out of Hawaii and San Diego. However, I'm going to have an unpopular opinion. I'm not a fan of the food options because Hawaii and you know San Diego yeah. have better food. Oh, seafood. However, seafood, sushi. Oh, yeah. You can get a fish taco here to save your life. Um, all sorts of stuff. But Pittsburgh has been really great because everybody's very nice. Like the city's very beautiful and things like that. And it's it feels a little more homey than San Diego and Hawaii. So I've loved it. That's, that's great. I mean, I would, I, as much as I hate going to the city now, because I live out in the burbs now too, and even moving further out here soon, uh, I do love coming through the Fort Pitt tunnels, especially at night mm-hmm. when the city's lit up. Like that is probably one of the best. I, I was I would argue it's probably one of the like, best picture, uh, picture views. Of, I can't even say the word. <laughs> Come on, Cal. Oh, <laughs> it's been a while talking to you. He people. had too many drinks already. But yeah, I had two sips and this shit went right to my head. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the there's that one photographer I follow on Twitter. He's like from Pittsburgh. He takes some awesome photos. All those like from like storms rolling in from Mount Washington. Dave DiCello, right? Yep. That's the guy. He's the man. Yeah. So that's some, that's some, so did I, there was a move to Pittsburgh. Uh, like when did you get it? Like how did you get into cybersecurity? Well, um, I started when I joined the Navy, I was in it. So, um, went to Hawaii, worked at um, the NSA facility that they have over there, the one that's under the pineapple field, if you've ever learned about any of that. And (laughs) you can Google it, pineapple field. I I see him Googling. I'm doing it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do this all the time. Um, So (laughs) went there, was working in IT, did like uh, help desk type work, um, just like your run-of-the-mill things, but not necessarily relating to like help desk, like I need to fix your printer, but related to like crypto gear and things like that. Um, Then left Hawaii and went to San Diego and eventually became a network engineer. So um, eventually just got into security that way and got a degree in advanced networking and master's in cybersecurity and information assurance. And then I just kind of landed in governance risk and compliance, which is what I'm doing now. So like a little bit of everything. What is God? What I, I don't, I don't know governance risk. What does and that compliance. mean? Governance risk and compliance is the group of people at an organization that is normally driving all of the control requirements that you have, evaluating risk for your organization, writing the governance. So like all of those policies that you're forced to sign, that normally comes from my group, making sure that you're complying with like acceptable use and like information security agreements and that you actually have a security program implemented. So a lot of the the driving forces down into the infrastructure and how you stay secure will often come from my group because we're the ones that kind of digest those controls and make send them out to the workforce to get them implemented. That what sounds you, hard. What do you mean by controls? I think I mean I've heard this like in like your, your type of field. Like I'm like mm-hmm. I don't know what the I don't know what the controls. Mean. Oh, so controls come from the frameworks. So um, we have different frameworks, regulations, other things that kind of drive what we do. 
And so um, taking one that you guys might be familiar about, um, HIPAA, so okay. HIPAA is for PHI. Um, HIPAA has things in it within the HIPAA security role that you know they want you to comply with, that they want a healthcare type organization to have applied within their environment. So we take those things that the security role is saying and make sure it happens. Make sure that you do a risk assessment and you understand your environment. You write out the governance, that you have a business continuity plan, that you're assessing your third parties. All of these different things um, come into play, making sure you have encryption at rest, making sure you have the right infrastructure in place, all of those different things. I'm guessing, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say encryption, uh, encryption at rest. Was, was that, is that just like your machine is crypto locker? Crypto, what, what? I don't, see, I don't bit, even know. I don't know what this shit is. Bit locker. Bit, so like bit locker? your, yeah, like your device, that's, your laptop that you're using the encryption at rest within that device. Okay. That's not ransomware. Bit locker is not ransomware. <laughs> that's right. Not ransomware. Crypto. See, I don't know any of this stuff. This uh, How do you not know the ransomware, man? And, and, and bit locker. Which yeah, but like, I don't, I don't keep up with that stuff. I don't, I don't have like a. I don't know, a dictionary of like right. everything that's everything. Here's a better one for you. Do you have to take training, security awareness training? Do they make you take these little modules to make you aware of like good cybersecurity practices? The answer is yes, David. Yes. <laughs> the David, answer I is yes, together. because if not, I'm going to go find where you work and be like, hey, go give him some more training. Oh no, I do. I do the trainings. Just is that's the thing that you click the buttons real fast, right? And you try to get all the answers right. And then if <laughs> that, you don't get them right, you do it again. You yep. memorize that the answers. Is definitely what people do. I'm mm -hmm. not sticking my head in the sand about it. But the interesting thing about security awareness is companies will continue to fail with security awareness unless they start marketing to their employees. So don't treat it like a compliance activity, but treat it like something they want to buy. So um, we want you to invest in those skills. And the only way we're going to invest you or have you invest is to entice you to make it something that you want to buy into. So you treat it like marketing instead, instead of a compliance activity, which is normally what happens. Do you get, do you get metrics on that? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going back to the modules. Just thinking about the modules. Do you get metrics on like how fast people click through all that stuff and like I don't. fail rate? <clears throat> I don't because I don't own the, the learning uh, management system, uh, but I'm sure... I'm sure those sort of things are available. <laughs> You're just trying to plan my next year out here, Rose. Just you know, work with me for a minute. Well, I think you do get um, analytics behind like how long it took a user to complete a lesson. Yeah, so sure. if something should be 30 minutes and they did it in like five, then they likely did not learn a single thing. Yeah. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the things you said that like kind of like rang a bell, especially with like going back to solar winds and like, you know, assessing your third parties with, were you like, no shit when that all happened? Like I've been talking about this for years and then everybody's like, Oh my God, supply chain. And you know, S bomb. Now I'm, we have had people on that have done S bomb and S bomb has been a thing to push to the government for years now and things like that. But have you been like people in your type of field where you're like, Oh yeah, duh. We've been talking about this since, yes. like, you know, the beginning. Absolutely. Um, I've given a talk before about third-party risk. Um, man, what do I call it? Uh, the overlooked risk, the overlooked oh. risk, third-party risk management, because no one ever evaluates their third parties. They don't look at them. They're like, oh, they're secure. They do you know, the things that they're supposed to. 
yeah, that's it's your responsibility as an organization to verify that your third party actually does have the right things in place. And if you're not doing that, you're not demonstrating due diligence. So if that information were to get breached, your company could be at fault because they didn't even bother to look into the third party in the first place. Now, if the third what? party lies about their controls, that's outside of what you can control, right? True. But as long as you at least do some level of due diligence against them, you know, you're protecting your organization and that data. And my follow-up on protect that everything. was going to be like, what, what if they won't share or what if they lie? Like what, <clears throat> I mean, are they liable for your faults then or your failures if, if their, their link in the chain is broken? Yeah, that's a good question. So a lot of times they don't want to respond. So you almost have to force the hand. So you have like, I'll call it 50%, they're willing to respond, but the other half, they're not willing to. Um, a lot of times what people end up doing or companies is leveraging the contracting process. So, okay, third party, we wanna assess you. Third party says no. All right, well, we're just gonna go find another vendor to provide those services. Now they're losing money because they're just not willing to do the third party agreement. Hmm. Um, so additionally, if you are doing contracts with third parties, you can put into the contracts the security controls you expect them to have in place. So it can be called like an information security agreement, mm -hmm. attestation, whatever you want to call it. And they agree to the controls. So if they lie and they get breached and, you know, they don't have those controls in place, they're liable for that damage. So a lot of different nuances go into the third party risk management in that program is quite a heavy lift to get stood up because believe it or not, a lot of organizations do not know what third parties they have within their, their environment and finding them all within the environment. is like finding a needle in a haystack, trying to determine well, all these different it's, it's that like the Kevin Bacon thing too, where you're like, well, you don't know like who is with them, you know, who, who is the, their third party that they may, you know, what's also work with. Huh? What's, what's this Kevin Bacon analogy? The Kevin Bacon, like if you know, you're, oh, how the many, seven how many degrees bacons? of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. How many Bacon's? <laughs> Kevin Bacon's right so like I don't know how many bacons does it take to make an F-35 right there's there's probably Boeing making an F-35 or an F-15 or something Locking I don't know I don't know if that's a freaking airplane I don't know it is but uh you know how many people more looking beer beer over here Licking. how many people or how many <laughs> how many shops going down to like a, a mom and pop shop that makes like o-rings out here in western Pennsylvania you know how many people have to have a secure system for oh know, the whole well, process that's up so I, I think it's it drives a lot based on the data they have so the more the more sensitive data that they have the more you want to assess them so if they're going to have like your public data something like that then you may say that's an acceptable risk that your organization's willing to take and maybe you don't assess them all but um, if they have let's go back to PHI from HIPAA if they have PHI obviously you want to Make sure they have their all their due diligence. I'm just a shit show. Sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. I can't get through the sentence straight because you're over there looking <laughs> I, the class once again. I tried to get off the camera when I did it. This is not off camera. This is, a, this is like, off Just like the glass. We're very professional here. Yeah. It made it even more noticeable that you're trying to like <laughs> slide out and lick the your glass. It was a. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, but like with so like, man, I that's a good thing is like because you I know government government stuff has to be a whole different 
hell of like things because like your situation there is like the ability to minority groups to be able to get government contracts but even this flipping script on not stuff like solar winds is like there's people that even know they had like solar winds in their environment when all that shit happened and then next thing you know they only they only knew that they were there because they ended up in the news and like you know Mm -hmm. part of security research and stuff like that of beaconing out and things like that right yeah that's a hell of a surprise so you find out by like twitter or something What's, what's your, I mean, I don't know if it gets too sensitive. You can be like, that's too sensitive. Like, what's the rate of like, people just don't know, like of people you have assessed over time and like it, it, to this third party risk, like half of them didn't even know half their shit. Like, is it, is it pretty bad or is it like acceptable? <laughs> like acceptable being like uh, 65% and above. <laughs> 70%, <laughs> so, you know. Very close. I think um, you're close, Kyle. <laughs> let's say I'm just let's say that on here. organizations not understanding the full magnitude of their vendors is um quite problematic there's a lot of organizations out there that still don't have a good handle on them that's crazy um, i guess that's job security too right i mean like silver lining is that we'll always we'll all have a job doing cybersecurity forever right yeah at the same time it's like people gotta get their shit together like yep. organization gotta get the shit together yeah because you can't protect the data so can you protect the data once it is with the vendor no that's in their control now but you can do everything in your power to assess their controls um and the sooner you understand the entry and exit points of all the data leaving your environment the better off you'll be how is it being transmitted to third parties to your organization what are they doing with it um, how are you securing it within your own environment and things like that really play a hand, not just into, you know, the vendors, but your security posture overall. So there's stuff popping over here. What you, you sound like you've been doing this for a while. You sound like a, like a oh, man. real freaking pro. Like I don't, this isn't my field and you're just like, you got, you're just, you're, you're on it. Uh, so it's I joined the, the wine, when isn't I was, it? No, I haven't had a sip of it. <laughs> it's still sitting there. <laughs> I'm just uh, I joined the Navy when I was 18 and now I'm 33 question mark. I think. Oh, I hate 34. that. I do it all the time. I just don't keep track. So I've been in like technology for a while. Um, which makes me feel like super old, especially now that my, my son's going into middle school next year. And I totally had a meltdown over it because I was like, man, I'm getting so old. My son is in middle school, but. Well, like you know. a teary meltdown or like a Hulk smash, get angry meltdown. Like where did my life go? Oh, meltdown? Oh, no. oh no. Like life just. you going to buy a Corvette? <laughs> no, I'm not heading to midlife crisis. <laughs> Buy Corvette. Why you buy Corvette? I don't know. Isn't that what people in middle middle age do? Is that what? Aren't you getting one? No. Aren't you getting a Corvette? What are you trying to say? Ah, uh, <laughs> hey man. I people ask me how old I am too, and I'm like, I always give them, you know, accidentally. It's like thirty, like off just 32, 33. I don't know why. It just happens. How long you've been married? Eight years. That's wrong. That's like half. It's like <laughs> it. It's at least like fifteen, maybe fifteen. 14 yeah i don't 14 no it's 13 now see well, I, mean, I, I don't do it it's, it's just like she said it doesn't matter well i mean there's a point in time it too. doesn't matter like, once you get past 10 we're at 11 so we're I mean, two, two and some change 
over. So is uh, the stuff that you're talking about as far as work goes, is, is that like, is that the CISPI material? You're talking about studying for that, right? Is that? Is yeah, that, it's a that, lot of it. Because mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Everyone's like, oh, you should go get a CS. But like I've seen everyone like, oh, I'm studying for my CS. But like, dude, I have no idea what any of that stuff means. <laughs> I don't know if I could get one certification aside from, I don't know ethical hacker and that one was super easy but that's that's all i could get so the people that like spend time learning this sort of stuff are very impressive to me because this is just it's like knowing tax codes i don't know junk (laughs) about taxes right but you can give your crap to an accountant and they're like bam 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 crap's done and then out the door like how do how do you even know how do you have time to learn all this stuff and then impart it to other people in learning modules there that's what you know how does that happen I don't know. That wasn't a question either. Just, I, I'm full of non questions. Just over time. Mm. How much time? You'll learn really quickly when you're forced to read all those frameworks and all the different controls. It forces your hand to. What do you mean get framework? Y'all got to learn about like. That's what you're talking about. The frameworks. That's how like the risk <laughs> assessed. Where were you? You mean, you mean no, no, no. I mean like licking I mean, like, his glass. That's how, what he was doing. How many, how many, like, frame, like it's not just like one framework. You have multiple frameworks. Yeah. So it's not like, just like name, one like. I mean, honestly, diagram. name your flavor. Name your whatever you want to think of. Chocolates. There's, <laughs> there's PCI for credit cards. There's high trust for healthcare organizations. That's a flavor of HIPAA. There's ISO 27001, then you can count in all of the NIST guidelines and all of those things. And there's tons of others I'm not even mentioning. What's your favorite one? Oh man, ISO 27001, that's my favorite. What's ISO 27, what's what's a TLDR of that? Uh, Information Security Management System. It is a really great framework for setting up a security program at an organization. And it forces you into a continuous improvement cycle So you don't just like implement things and you're done with them. That's not the point of it. Um, And then it forces your management to actually be bought in. So a lot of times organizations have a really hard time implementing controls or making sure security, you know, is still in play. But with ISO 27001, it it like forces you into that really great security culture. And the other frameworks are all about the controls. Like you implement all of these things, whereas ISO... Um, the 27001 is really about making sure that you have the management buy-in, you have the communication, your workforce knows, and then they audit you on those things. And it's, it's just my favorite framework by far. Mm-hmm. So if I put my password on a keyboard, underneath my keyboard on a post-it note, will someone find my password? So fun fact. I worked at an organization when I first moved to Pittsburgh and I was responsible for cybersecurity awareness month. And oh, that's hold on. I'm sorry. That's this month. Isn't it next no, month? It's, October. O- it's October. Oh, see, October. see, that's you how much what, I know. What fucking month is it? You guys, I'm sorry. I have a dog and a cat fighting underneath my feet. Oh you, so. yeah. Listen, if you're, if there's anybody that's going to be apologizing here, it's not you. <laughs> at least you're not, at least you're not licking glasses and cans. Nope. <laughs> Not yet, I guess, right? Oh, so um, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, I did that at the first company I worked at when I moved to Pittsburgh. And one of the things that we did was walk around to everybody's desk and see if they had a password on it. And if they didn't, if they didn't have a sticky note and their computer was locked because this was a healthcare organization, they got a little raffle ticket. 
And at the end of the month, we drew raffle prizes for people that didn't have their passwords on their desk and they had their devices locked. What did they win? What was the prizes? We had, we had a bunch of different things. This is Starbucks gift cards, Amazon gift cards, All like right. five, Unlocked 10 computer. Bucks. That was a thing. I mean, like when I was at NSA, like people would jump on people's keyboards and like email the team and stuff like that, which is obviously oh, the a violation email. of another probably mm-hmm. control of like unauthorized use of a computer right but do you ever have anyone threaten the dernsey email like i almost i almost told dernsey we're bringing donuts tomorrow i like to send out emails saying rose is awesome yeah. and that you know claiming how grand i am because you know can't get enough praise apparently that's right <laughs> someone's got to do it so how do you make the switch into like uh, GRC. I'm like, I was almost say GCR. Oh. Like, because you went from like doing yeah, crypto stuff, yeah. Like, which, which you couldn't, you can't do crypto stuff unless you're in the military or NSA. Like, I did crypto yeah. stuff when I started NSA too. And then, you know, when you went to network and, you know, network engineering type stuff, and then, mm-hmm. you know, end up in like, why yeah. did you, well, how did that path flow for you? Or was this, you like also said help desk too, right? Didn't you say help desk? Yeah, but it wasn't, it was your, not your traditional sense of a help desk. I did okay. like, crypto gear, making sure communication stayed up. Like reeking um, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, that sort of stuff. It, it wasn't your traditional, but it was still considered a help desk. Gotcha. Um, so when I was a network engineer, um, I spent like a year and a half, two years doing that. And my primary role was applying disassigs onto routers and layer three switches. And so you get into those controls and the nuances of STIGs really quickly because they're very detailed. And um, I spent like a really long time doing that. And I was so proud because before that, I hadn't touched a single router or switch or anything like that. I had background, obviously, just based, but not to the level they needed for the STIGs. And I ended up not having any findings on my devices. And I was like, yeah, that was awesome. And I, you know, got my degree in advanced networking. But when I got out, I realized how much I love the security component of doing that sort of work. And so I got some contracting positions um, working with the DOD as a contractor. And I would work with the, um, the contractors there, helping them understand how to implement disassistics. And I would communicate that to them. And I just started naturally transitioning into governance, risk, and compliance. Um, and it just made sense. And quite frankly, it's hard to work in GRC when you don't know the ins and outs of the things that you have to secure in the first place. So while I may not be able to put my hands on a router anymore and configure them like I used to back in like 2014 or whenever that was, um, I definitely know how to get people to secure their devices now and get them to like where they need to go based on that past experience. No, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to me. Blasco, you look Mm -hmm. confused. No, I'm just trying to think about like how I don't know like crap about, um, video card drivers like i used to back in the day like it, it, i'm trying to like re- relate mentally like all that stuff just got like pushed out like mm-hmm. I, my family used to call me and be like hey my thing's not working like can you come over and look at it? I'm like sure i'll go look at it if they ask me now like i don't i don't know how i, I don't know what to tell you my family always tries to give me devices to fix and i'm like <laughs> look I'm not that type of it like right. don't bring me your laptop i'm not going to be able to fix it i 
not or, or like i used to do you ever get the one back in the day where you're like firefox is doing this do you know why it's doing this i'm like do i look like i'm a firefox developer engineer at, like trade like yeah can you recommend me a new laptop like no, no I, I get that I, now i yeah i can't my buddy's I like i want to buy a gaming system so i turn to my buddy who like games and PCs. <laughs> i'm like tell me all the specs you want that you would want for a game and then i sh- share like i third it's party like, like to shove that over I'm like i don't know yeah, but you're right. you, you lose I, a lot of you just you i Google? mean it's not even like a user loses just like it's we get not niche. your thing we're like, now right we're it's all kind of like thing. at that like 10 plus year in our our paths and you get niche yeah. and you're like this is what i'm good at could i go back and do that sure but this is what i like and this is what i'm good at right now so i'm gonna keep doing it right yeah i did something recently um so um, we had to do a key signing with one of our clients that we had going on. And my counterpart I was doing it with, he was running code and doing all these things. I was like, dang, I missed that. Like I, and I could remember all the things that he was using. And I'm like, man, it's been so long, but I'm happy that I can remember it. But dang, I kind of wish I was still doing that because I never tinker anymore. Um, it's not, you know, my role or purpose. And the most tinkering I get to do is when we have like governance risk and compliance tools that need like set up and things like that. Um, so yeah, just like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. So (laughs) one of my, one of my team members, they had to set up um, a tool we use called OneTrust and they were tinkering on it. And they're like, wow, this is really cool. You can set up all these features. I was like, Oh, show me. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, try this, do this. And I was getting really into it. And I was like, dang, man, like sometimes I really wish I could get into that. But I also love being able to talk with like leadership and people within the org and kind of explain the things that they need to do to secure their business. And I can't do that and tinker. So like, I would rather pursue the route of facilitating these really great dialogues and, you know, conversations with leadership and people within the org to make sure they're starting to do the right thing versus, you know, putting my hands on software and just tinkering it and doing things like that. I mean, that, but the, just even the honing on that, like, I think that's a valuable skill that like, as I teach, like, you know, grad students, like they're always like, Oh, what, what are things I need to learn? I'm like communication. You need to know how to communicate. It's not, can you write an exploit that pops the best router? It's like, can you communicate even that aspect of something to different levels of people, like your technical peers to management up to C-suite who don't even care what mm-hmm. you're writing. They just want to know why it's vulnerable and how can they fix it, right? Yeah. So like- Return that, on investment. Those are like key <laughs> words. You learn how to communicate that return on investment of the things that you want someone to fix or that they need to fix. Like, what are they going to get for fixing this? They're about to spend a million dollars you know, what's the return on this? Well, you're not going to have a breach or compromise and you're not going to lose the data and have, you know, financial reputational type damage to your org. But yeah, that communication, it's, it's key. And the quicker you could pick it up, the further you'll go in your career. So that's a good one. What, what do you do organizationally when something like that happens and you didn't expect it? Like if, if you're, if you're, you know, Kyle's talking about the solar winds uh, incident. Like, if you're on that end and you're just like, everything's fine, there are no problems, and all of a sudden, like, you get zero dayed, and then yeah, what's the what's what's that the organizational response usually? Incident response. So you can't control everything in the world. You can't control every risk. You can't control every threat. 
But what you can do is conduct a risk assessment of your environment, get a real understanding of the risk posed to each of those assets, apply some controls that would help mitigate those risks, and then establish really good incident response. A lot of companies, they don't even have plans. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know what their alerting looks like. They don't know any of that. They don't do tabletops, which are like fundamental to like good IR processes. So you can't control everything, but you can definitely control your responses to these and making sure that you have a really mature response. And so, you know, we did everything that we could to secure our environment and we took it a step further. Everybody that needs to be involved when these things happen is pulled in immediately because we have a really mature, robust incident response program. Is it fair that I swear I've never even heard of tabletop exercises before until like the last like five years? Did, <laughs> did it become like a newer thing all of a sudden? Was it called something before? And um, scrum? That's a, that's that's a great question because up until I moved to Pittsburgh, I wasn't actively involved in tabletops. So that's all I've ever known them from. Um, maybe scenarios or exercises or any other yeah. kind of word you throw in there. But I think they picked up traction recently because incidents have become more known, you know, throughout the world, like you're hearing attacks every day in the news. And so um, I think naturally the cybersecurity community has recognized the need to, you know, do those sort of activities. So maybe it's always been called tabletop and I just don't know, but maybe it's gained popularity because of, you know, the nature of the beast. I'll, I'll bite. What's a tabletop? Because <laughs> I don't know. I mean, are you surprised I'm one asking me you can never leave. You, you can never leave your current job. Let me tell you now, you got to stay where you're at forever. Yeah, I'm staying on the waterbed as long as I can. Yeah, stay on that So water. a tabletop is an exercise that can uh, take you through a scenario of an event or incident happening. Um, it's based entirely on the organization. So the scenario that the organization responds to should be like customized to them. Like what's an, an actual credible threat that could happen to the org. So that way you're getting good, good responses and understanding what's due. So what you do is you get everybody that's involved in a incident response type program, um, whether it's legal, human resources, the actual tech people that are going to troubleshoot um, your incident response manager, all those different types of people. And you get them in one room and you say, all right, here's the scenario. What do you do? And they have to take you through every single step that they would do and why or why they wouldn't do certain things, how they would report, how they communicate, how they tell the clients down, how do they look at the logs, every single thing. How do they get legal involved? Do they need to make some sort of like public statement, all of these different things that play into incident response. Dude. So the output of that exercise is, <laughs> the output of that exercise is updates to those programs to make sure that they're fixing the discrepancies found during the tabletop. So now you have a continuous improvement cycle happening. Uh, does, the, does like a red team uh exercise or a pen test to always feed into that or ever feed into that before like you start like will they ever give you data and be like we found this crap and now you know, like it's like almost like a real life data scenario you could there's no reason why you could not do that so if you already have the results mm -hmm. you can take it through a scenario because now you really know but on the pen test you're going to find out 
you know, the criticality of those things to the organization. Yeah, because they're yeah. going to write that stuff, or they should be, right? They should be writing that stuff down for you anyway. Yeah. Did you ever watch Parks and Rec, by the way? Did you, ever, did you ever see Parks and Rec, either one of you? There's like an episode uh, where they, they kind of do this whole thing, and their their scenario was like bat flu disease, like breaks out in their town. I don't know. thought that was really time timely. Anyway, I'll stop. <laughs> oh, sorry. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> it's a great... Shut up. <laughs> Uh Kyle, he killed me, man. That's what I'm Kill myself. For. That's what I'm hearing for him. Mm-hmm. So, Rose, one of the things we we're like chatting about is that, like, what do you? I mean, you kind of talked about the CSSP. Is that like what you're doing next? But like, what do you? What do you? What are you trying to do? You kind of mentioned you miss tinkering, but you like to do talk to like you know the management and, and really mm-hmm. facilitate that conversation. But like, what do you? One of the things you threw over is what are things I'm trying to do next. You got yeah. goals? <laughs> I mean, I mean, fifteen year everybody- plan. Not this guy. <laughs> I'm very type A. So <laughs> that's a lot of people that you meet working in my field are normally very type A people, very organized, detailed, that sort of I feel like you have to be, especially if you're like crossing controls off and making yeah. people are doing it. Thank goodness like for other you. people aren't. Right. There's a lot of I'm ticking not. and tying that has to happen. You have to be able to like go from point A all the way to Z and be able to tick and tie it all the way down. So that way T- when auditors come and look. I'm sorry, what did you say? Tick and tie. Tick and tie. Yeah. Tick and you tie. Make like a nice package for the auditors. You have all of your, let's go back to an event. You have your event reports. You have what you did, the scribe notes. You have approval off of it. You have all these different things that kind of go into it so we call it ticking and tying you're just kind of you know crossing the t's dotting the i's and making sure that everything's okay. kind of happening i'm sorry <laughs> is that was that the full answer did you get everything i think you segued it and it came back oh what a disaster a boomerang in here <laughs> boomer um but what i'm doing next is cissp so I have been putting that thing off for years. I'll pick it up and I'll study for like a couple months and I'll be like, man, you know, I'll come up with an excuse. I'll procrastinate. Um, and then, you know, I'll pick it up again and, you know, something else will come up. Life will happen. And so um, I went to procrastinate one more time. I was, I was like, one more time, I'm going to procrastinate. And when you know, the CISSP website said, hey, you've been registered for this exam for a year. We don't let you push it out any further. You have to take it by October 24th. And I was like, well, dang, is that a sign or what? That I have to take this exam? Oh, that no. They're like, you, you have to. And I'm like, I'm not going to lose all that money because I've already paid for it. Right. So I'm like, Rose, stop procrastinating. You know, you really want the certification, go do it. Stop letting, you know, excuses get in the way because a lot of people fail it. And so I'm like highly anxious about failing yeah, this I've huge exam. Mm-hmm. Seen that on the revamp, they revamped it in the last, what, three, four years, something like yeah, there's, there's a big, like anti CISSP movement for a while because yeah. something, there was so something shitty? they did. It's like three hours and it's a hundred and 150 questions but it's an adaptive quiz. So the better you do, the harder the questions get. I hate that shit. <laughs> and it sounds really miserable, right? But um, it's a really good certification to have. It's a really good knowledge area, all these different things. And so like the information itself isn't hard for me to understand. It's just remembering every single thing. There's just so much that goes. Is there, is there still exam. 10 domains, right? 10? Eight or ten domains. Eight, yeah. There's a there's 
a lot of them to go through, you know, software, assets, governance. So that's a good segue because as someone who you mentioned, you had your master's in the beginning and, and, and like basically information, you know, assurance, you know, cybersecurity, do you, maybe it sounds like you wanted to do the CISSP flip it on its head a little bit. Do you feel like someone that has their master's in our field mm-hmm. shouldn't have to do the CISSP that your master's that you spent your, all that blood, sweat and yeah. tears on should count, you know, and, and, and check that certification box. And this goes like in broader question is like, do you think certifications matter? I think that certifications have lost their value. They turned into a lot of like, all right, you got a checkbox, you have it, you know, here's the thing. But yeah, I spent a lot of time on my master's and my capstone, I had to build a security program from scratch. We had to secure it. We had to do all these things. And I worked on a team and it was a big capstone. We did it over uh, the course, I want to say three months where we had to do all this work and a lot of go- lot goes into it. And I mean, yeah, I, I wish, you know, master's was enough, but it's not. They, you know, organizations, they expect more and more from you. And so, um, I mean, it's just the nature of the beast when you work in our field, those those papers really hold a lot of weight versus, you know, the experience that you have behind it. Because I have tons and tons of experience that I could easily, you know, talk to people on. It's just that piece of paper, it holds a lot of weight. Yeah, I've noticed that. And I mean, I, I think it's always been that way for CISSP. And even though like there was that little battle a few years ago, but mm-hmm. you know, I guess they revamped the question and stuff like that. But yeah, it, we always throw that out to a few people that when certifications are being brought up, because I think I feel very much you're in your same light is that they've lost their value and there's some that have always been good, right? We can like the practical applied ones where you have to like, you know, the Cisco Cisco stuff, you have to actually configure routers and get your hands yeah. and stuff and things like that. And the offensive security and the Microsoft ones and all that stuff. I'm sure there's a plethora of other ones out there. I'm not this name dropping, but yeah, I think there's a, <laughs> a level of like, it sucks because you spent all this, year, this time on your master's to get that accreditability in that paper. And then someone's like, yeah, now we want you to do this certificate. You're like, mm. I had a whole 18 week class on or 16 week class on that. Why would I, you know, you know what I mean? And then the flip of this, well, well, you should be easy, easily be able to pass the exam. Well, not all are good test takers. Yeah, that's, yeah. My, that's my next argument is I'm not a good test taker. You know? So I avoid it like, uh, hey, hey, how do you, do you feel like you're ready? Like you've, you've been putting it off for a long time. Do you feel like if you had to take it like today, could you, do you think you could do well? I feel like a hundred times better than I have in the past. I am watching you know, videos every morning to just reinforce the knowledge that I'm learning, doing note cards. I have apps on my phone. So like if I have free time, I'm sitting there and I'm quizzing myself and like, I'm not getting a lot wrong. I'm getting, you know, a a lot of the questions actually right. And so it's giving me like a good confidence level going into the exam, but I'm still super nervous because I'm not the best test taker. And there's a lot of like, oh man, I don't want to be out of $700. And what are people going to say when you fail it? And like all of those things that as a human, you feel that you try to like not have as many emotions on, but again, you're only human and people yeah. tend to be anxious on those sort of things. Yeah. How, how would you feel about trying to answer a couple of questions I found online? Right now? <laughs> that'd be a, that'd be a hard pass. Cause you're putting me on the spot. I always say a hard pass. I'm not even going to speak for we could, we could, well, listen, we could, we could play some like, uh, you know, um, who wants to be a millionaire music in the background? We could edit this up real good and you could crush it. Ah, that's okay. 
<laughs> but I did, but I did uh, do yeah. team building for my team recently where I was like, we're going to have DRC trivia night. And they're it's like, basically trivia, right? <laughs> these look really hard though. Like, I don't know these, I don't know what any of this stuff means. There's, there's the Kerberos authentication implementation. I don't know what the fuck that means. What, what, what is that? What is you know what Kerberos yeah. is? No, I don't. I don't, dude. I, I, dude, I'm a, I'm like a firmware malware reverse engineer. I don't know what any of that crap means. Well, I'm not super strong in Kerberos, so I'm not going there. <laughs> oh, good. Good, good, good. So we'll skip this. But I do have a coworker who will randomly message me questions like through the week and be like, hey, what do you think the answer is? I'll be like, this one? And he's like, yeah, but why are the other ones wrong? And I, I like those sort of people in my life. They're I like work friends like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not exactly work bestie, but you know, good <laughs> friends. For you. Good friends, yeah. man. He he was studying for his CISSB at the same time, um, and he he got it before me. So now I'm like, dang! Now I really have to pass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel for you, and like the t- like that's why I've also, I think I sat for the CISSP once and didn't pass. And then back then it was like you'd only have to pay like a hundred dollars to retest, and like I just never did. You know what I mean? Because I was like, fuck this. You know what I mean? This was like 2010, so a long time ago. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Way back. I can't, day. I don't even want to take any tests. Like, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that our field doesn't have like a continuous certification track that's like mandatory. It's like, so with the amount of people that are in this don't field, put karma out there, man, like that. Huh? Don't put like, don't drink. I'm just saying like, there's a bunch of people, you know, out on the Twitters, like they know more than everybody else, or they don't know as much. And I mean, I don't know that much, but like a whole bunch of people got to know stuff. You see here, I was sounding very intelligent, three beers in, Uh, you know, doctors, nurses, uh, engineers, like legit engineers, not, not me. I think Um, we're all kind of like learning as we go i'm not bucking all of us in the same field together but like when you do stuff you're like uh oh, you're like i don't really know that i should probably look yeah at but that. there might be a way to like make more to my report right and like yeah. if i add that it might be and like you just naturally learn it on your own right or i, I mean, trial you know, by fire that's how you learn that's how i learn trial by fire I, w- I would rather learn things like one one at a time and have like good base skills like like i said at the kickoff like communications and you know you know how to get out in front of people and speak uh, you know how to write a nice report you know like what the elements of a good report are you know like you have a good base technical skill i don't i don't know that like a cisp should like trump your master's degree by any stretch of the imagination because i mean yeah, that's a that's a time and money investment both ways but is someone making you get the cisp no that's a personal goal you're just doing it that's good. Like, I've been putting this beast off for a really okay. long time. I was worried there so, for a second that like mm-hmm. someone was making you do it. No, I'm really kind of surprised that that's not like a thing for our field. Yeah. It is at times. It, it, it definitely is like certain organizations definitely really? expect it, but okay. I luckily work at an organization that sees my value based on the things that it brings to the table and not necessarily a piece of paper. If you've been doing this stuff for 15 years of your life, like why do you need a piece of paper that says that like you are competent enough to continue doing it? <laughs> what What is that one piece of paper going to do that replaces all those years of experience, all those I moments? Knew how to study, yeah. right? For a really that's, long time. That's what but, irritates me about that kind of crap. But for CISSP in particular, you really have to 
have applied the, the concepts in real life to be able to truly understand the material and go take the test. So like, that's, that's why they also require you to have X amount of years. I forget what it is, five or seven years of actual hands-on experience in that, that particular area, because you could be a great test taker, or maybe you can memorize everything really quickly. You have a photographic memory or whatever, and you just memorize everything. Well, that's not going to demonstrate squat, you know, right. but you have to have the years of experience backing it. Cause it's hard to learn those concepts just on the fly with no previous experience, which is why you also see a lot of people, they don't necessarily come out of college and go right into cybersecurity. I mean, now it's becoming more common, but when I was going up through my career, that wasn't the thing. The thing was you went through IT and eventually you found yourself in cybersecurity in some way. I'd say, I think that's like a lot of path you see like in the Twitterverse world when people are like, oh, I want to, I want to break into InfoSec or cybersecurity. Like what yeah. do I do? And everybody's like, go do help desk. I see, I, I'm not putting that as number one thing. I did it. It's like, I think it is. I mean, I did help desk in like yeah. for a while. And I think, and I just kind of naturally found your path. We all found our path yeah. into cybersecurity. Not that I don't think that people are coming out and right into the field are not valuable. There are, but like doing certain things and, and understanding new, and that's where I think you build like, you know, when people were no longer called soft skills, but like those core skills of communication and writing, yeah. and like talk someone oh, down a ledge. That's like, Hey, you broke my internet. What'd you do? This is back in my dialogue. <laughs> yeah. You broke my, like, you did it. Yeah. You're like, sorry, ma'am. Uh, let's walk through this scenario right now. Right. <laughs> did not break your internet. I don't know what happened, but like nothing works. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to tell you. They didn't touch anything. Right. Did they not literally touch never touched anything. Literally. I had someone one time. I accidentally like because I, like, I had to have them like right click on the network icon and then like but after that everything was like do I right click or left click and I was like oh my god we are gonna be here a long time <laughs> to justify which click we're gonna be doing. Did you time. ever mix those up when someone was talking to you on the phone when they're like right click and you're like I am like right click it's bringing up a context menu right click like no 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 dude, no dude right click not left click like oh fuck. <laughs> One of the things I really struggle with as a consultant is. Um, or oh, just backwards. in general <laughs> is when people make things like statements like that. And I have to like control my face and not let my reaction show. Cause I have a really expressive face. And so when they're like, you know, saying something off the wall, I was like, oh, well, you know, this is why, and not, you know, make them feel uh, inadequate or, you know, you try not like, to, mm-hmm. but then you laugh later. It's, it's one of those things you just, you know. Oh, put, it in the, sure. put it put it in the bank and you're like you you can't believe this stuff <laughs> not gonna happen uh, that's too good that's too good that's what i do when my kids say things and i'm like i can't believe you said that and i'm gonna put it in my mom memory forever and store those little nuggets away for when they're really valuable when you're getting married or something uh, like that never, please i hope you I both can. do that like embarrass your kids at graduation and like you know marriage days like like there has to be like some gold nuggets out that you've mm-hmm. both collected over the years yeah drop bombs on it like i don't even want to like I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> let's just say almost embarrassed for them my my son is 11 he's going through puberty and i have tons of stories oh, already I don't, I and don't. i am just like evil laugh like <laughs> like i can't wait <laughs> i feel for him no nope. nope and middle school he's like this fall he's going to middle school middle school yeah oh man 
Oof. Middle school is in sixth grade now? Yeah. No, we're on, I went to elementary school all the way through sixth grade. You didn't, Kyle? No, mine was no? K5, 6, 7, 8, then high school 9, 10, 11, 12. Oh, man, I was, I was K6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Mm. Why would you have just a school for two years? Sounds weird. But Western Pennsylvania, bro. Come on. Come at me. Banjo playing. Area got community better. schools out here. Every little town has their school, and that's how it worked. My uh, kids' school, it's all one building. The elementary has its own little area. <laughs> it sounds like the colonial <laughs> days. <laughs> well, everybody went to the same schoolhouse. Yeah, but I mean, they're, you obviously can tell they're very different wings of the building, but it's all... Man, it makes it convenient think. for you to drop both of them off the same place. They How ride the bus. Building? Oh, they ride the bus. We yeah. Said, you said... What? And, and that was the experience for us, because when we came from um, San Diego, there's a school like every couple model, miles because it's so overpopulated. So I would literally walk the kids across the street from our house and take the kids to school. Oh, and so Maryland, when we yeah. moved here like we we had to ride the bus and that I was like oh man I was really nervous about it because my son was only in the first grade at the time and I just had to get used to my kid riding the bus it was definitely a new thing for me oh I mean I walked to school all like my where I grew up we like we didn't have busing there was no busing so we had like next to zero snow days ever like growing up in western you know uh west side of Cleveland so it was like walk i think my elementary school is a mile and this is back when i was when it was safe so like your son's age you know walking the school you walk like, a mile uphill in the snow both ways no <laughs> shoes you know yeah wild times wild times I'm trying to I'm, I'm over here looking at your town on the google maps and there's like it's it's basically like the small town western it's pennsylvania it's That's exactly it's it's exactly what I would expect. Like Western Pennsylvania, it's like you. I saw a funeral home, a post office, and a church. Uh, and then if you zoom out a little bit more, you get a diner. And yeah. then uh, that's really about the it. The diner's really good. Did it say it was Jack's Diner? That's the one. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Is it? Is it because you have nothing else to go to? <laughs> no, they have. All right. So we judge a restaurant based on its ranch. Oh, and, and you have so a dollar they, general. Oh, okay. They have ranch? a good ranch. Ranch dressing or like ranch with cattle? Ranch. <laughs> this isn't Wyoming. <laughs> ranch. Ranch dressing. They have homemade, and that's how we judge restaurants. You're close to fair. That's actually they that's, a bunch of... that's fair. I'd now judge restaurants on how large their menu is, right? Because if you have a large menu, that means you can't be very good at many things. Mm-mm. If you have a smaller menu, oh. that means you're good at a, like a set of things. I'm like, oh, I appreciate you. Yeah. That's the because old, uh... the bigger menus are just throwing it in the fryer or doing yeah. things like that. I mean, it's still going to be yummy because who doesn't like fried food? But I mean, still, it's not going to be like, you know. I learned that on Bar Rescue, man. Did you watch that? Did you watch that show? That guy never, like, you know, if you ever look up the follow-up of that show? Jake? Like Jake all those, Ta- what was his name? Jake Tapper? All those shops, like, fail. Yeah. Well, well he would do that, though. He would. In Vegas, the Pepper Mill. Pepper Mill is pretty dope, though. Yeah. it's an old And they serve you alcohol, so it can't be that bad. Excuse me. <laughs> You cut that. Okay, okay. No, that's staying in. That's staying in. Oh, he's not cutting it out. No cuts. Uh, no cuts. We're at that. We're at that golden golden time. I mean, uh, Rose. How do people get a hold of you if they want to you know, reach out to you? What's um, the best way to get a hold of you? The best way to get a hold of me is either through Twitter, 
or LinkedIn or anything else that you guys tag. Oh, that's gotta be you. I'll be adding, I'll be adding those into the show notes. And I mean, we have PitSec, uh, Slack PitSec. Pretty, pretty active, uh, in there. I don't know if you're on there. Um, that's pretty active. I'm not, I'm not but I, I try I, to be active in like B sides and things like that. So you've given like, a couple of, presentations there, haven't you? I'm pretty sure I've seen one of your presentations. I've done a lot of B sides. I I think my new goal is to see how many I can present at. I've done Vancouver, oh, I've nice. done Charleston, I've done Columbus a couple nice. times, I've done Cleveland, I'm doing um one Georgia. in Georgia. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I got really excited. I, I'm scrolling through your Twitter feed. I saw Georgia. Yep. Twitter's Congratulations. Next, That's awesome. Georgia's next. So I've always wanted to do like this. There's like the tour on this side of like this thing. You know, go from like Pittsburgh, Cleveland, hit up Charm City, you know, the one in Baltimore, like kind of do like okay. a round robin. I think I was playing that in 2020, but we all know what happened. Then. No, they're all virtual and they're not near. I mean, they're awesome. The the people putting it on are still doing a great job. It's just, it's not the same thing. It's You're not. not doing that information transfer. So going back to like that continuous education, one of the ways that we do that is through these conferences that we go to and the, co- the dialogue and stuff that we have. And so um, I love being able to do that, but I hate that I can't actually have dialogue, a lot of dialogue with anybody. It's, it's really challenging. Yeah, um, it's definitely, I 100% agree. And we've talked about this many, many times. Like I look forward to seeing people again under, you know, whatever safe conditions those are, because that's conferences are, are you know some people really do go for the talks and the events and the side things but to me conferences are all about the networking and meeting someone and be like oh i saw you know the end of your talk but like this point hit on me or someone introducing to you something as you're walking down the hall and everybody's gathering a little, like a little circle right like yeah I, those are the valuable moments to where i know someone from a recent conference that's potentially getting a job like from that like and that's like the benefit of not me yeah someone i know like that's the benefit of that is like they look they go to a conference just to meet people and next thing you know they might have a job out of it right like that's the great thing for those things yeah for can sure. you give like a like a uh a cliff note version of what you're going to talk about on your uh, b-side georgia augusta mm-hmm. talk i am actually doing security awareness so talking about how to diagnose your pro- program and figure out how mature it is. So um, I've given security awareness type talks in the past. Um, those were more like from start to finish. What does your program look like? But this is going to take you through how do you actually know how mature your program is and how to look at it and do those sort of things. And my GRC talks keep sneaking their way into B-sides and I, I love it. I love it hey. so much. Because I mean, it's, it's, it's people that got to get over like the governance, you know, risk yeah. and compliance title to it. Because as you broke it down, I was like, this is the shit like it affects the other stuff that we all do in businesses and like yeah. the contracts we get and partnerships we get and along the humans, way. Humans, number one risk to every single organization, humans. Agreed. So, tell, me, tell me the one about the third party stuff again that you did over over watch the, say it one more time. <laughs> the overlooked security risk third okay. party risk management and so that one watch took that one. um takes you through the life cycle of how to implement tprm but what i um also did was how do you automate a program so that program like is highly manual there's a lot of things you have to do send emails do assessments do all of these things how do you automate it using the tools you have available? So how do you automate these reviews doing macros and the spreadsheet macros and outlook to automatically generate the emails and doing all sorts of things. 
um, leveraging teams. So if you have teams, you can leverage the forms to kick off the process and all these other other items. So I do a demo in um, those where I talk about how you set that up. So you leverage the tools you have readily available. So it doesn't have to be like overly complex or you don't have to spend a lot of money. You just use what you have and like you can automate it to some degree. Obviously it's not gonna be perfect, but you're taking you know some time and effort out of it out of all those manual processes. I and mean, we can all appreciate automation. Wow. Yes. Because again, going back to human risk, if you have that automation in play, you reduce the risk associated with someone making the wrong decisions about it, right? So that automation, it really is key when you, you look at a lot of these different things. Not, I mean, obviously you still need, you know, a person looking at it in some way, but the automation really reduces the risk of not ide- identifying certain things or, you know, the process not happening in the way that it should. For sure. For sure. Well, Rose, I mean, I, that's a great, <laughs> I, I mean, I learned a lot today. I love these cause I learned shit on it. And like, I learned a lot. Today. I learned so much and it was really nice to have this kind of a talk coming back and like a, a nice, um, you know, back and forth with a guest and not just, you know, pulling teeth. It was, I, oh. I, you know, just like you said, I learned something. This was very conversational. You learned a yeah. lot. Thank let's you. Not, let's not, let's, let's, I loved let's, it. Let's not sugarcoat it. You learned a lot. It's so dumb. I love your, your face every time you're learning something. I was like, oh, I love this because I talk to a lot of people in my fields still. And so talking to people outside of my field or people that don't have a lot of insight into what I do is always really great. It's like one of my favorite things about GRC is like, talking to all these different people and explaining, you know, the things that I do, which can seem mysterious, like any other part of cybersecurity, it seems kind of mysterious until you peek behind the curtain. You're like, Oh yeah, that's what you do. And like, it's really, it's really great conversation. I always love it. I've talked about this with my kids in class too. Like I'm, I'm a very bad reader. I don't comprehend reading very well, but I'm very like, I can, I can do this. Like this is, this is good learning for me. Mm-hmm. I can hear, I can watch. Like if you had like a whiteboard behind you and you're writing crap down, like that was, that would have been like the full experience for me. I would have gotten <laughs> everything I needed. It's funny you say that. Cause in our office at work, uh, so I work at CISO, we have whiteboards on literally every single wall that you walk next to I, every been, single one of them. I've been to your headquarters one time for helping back out in 2018, 2019, something with Joe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. You guys have white bars everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're even to the point where he was like, "Yeah, hold on a second, I gotta erase this stuff. You can't see it." Like that's like because like you guys like I was like, "Oh, all right, I appreciate." We that. use but, them every. It yeah. could be a strategy meeting. It could be something else. I could be trying to figure out a GRC process how I want it to look. Anything and everything goes up on those boards. As long as I get to watch you write what's on the whiteboard and not like, see, it's like a post-it note. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't watch the thing happen, it doesn't exist. Like I, I could walk by all those like TS secret whiteboards <laughs> and just like confidential whiteboards well, and not read a damn word on them. Yeah. Well, that ties back to security awareness and why I was saying it. So <laughs> hold on. I, I have to do this one. Why it's important for people to truly understand their workforce because security awareness is only as effective as the people understanding. And so if you have learners that are like you, that would rather have that dialogue, you need to identify it because then 
we're having this conversation, I'm educating you. And now the risk associated with you doing something I don't want you to do is decreased because we had a dialogue versus like throwing you a video that, you know, maybe you're just like eyes are glazed over and you don't really want to watch the the video with the check, uh, checkpoint questions. Oh, those are the worst. You got to pay attention to them because you got to answer those questions. I'm trying to wreck every metric I get. (laughs) Anyway, thank you. Thank you again. I'm about yeah, to stop I, recording. I loved it. You don't need to drop off, but yeah, thanks. Uh, I'll be tagging everything in uh, the show notes. And uh, yeah, every, anybody that wants to reach out to Rose, please do. I hit the follow button on uh, on Rose. I found her on the Twitters. The Twitter area. There he is. Well, like so, we yeah. like to always say at the end of every podcast, uh, stay thirsty, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>